Film Rage presents Verbal Masturbation with Bryson Jim. All right. This week's session is with Omar Moulam, director of the Lebanese Burger Mafia, although that is just one of his many hats, as he's also a producer, writer, editor, educator, podcaster. He does speaking engagements. And as a son of a baron, he also has the title of the Honorable Omar of Alberta. Thanks for being on the show. We've never had a <laughs> son of a baron on our podcast before. You've, you've not had uh, royalty on this I have on not. This, this is a first. Well, this is a first. I'm uh, I'm I'm very happy to be your your first to to break your royalty virginity on this segment called verbal masturbation. Outstanding. Um. So usually my co-host Jim likes to loosen things up with a little game before we get to the interview. Uh, he's not here, but I guess we should do it anyway. It's called or, and it is that simple. I give you two choices: choice one or choice two, and you tell me without hesitation which choice you prefer. Are you game? I'm game. All right. Burger Baron Carstairs or Burger Baron Sundry? Oh, wow. I didn't think it was going to be this tough. Jeez. I actually don't know if I ate at the Sundry. Oh. So with the knowledge that I have. Yes. It's going to have to be Carstairs. There you go. Flames or Oilers? Um, I mean, I'm totally apathetic, but let's just, because, because we're here for Sif, let's just say the flames. My go brother's flames, a flames go, fan, so, go you know, flames. that's for him. There you go. Uh, shawarma or mushroom burger? Shawarma. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I'm going to be completely honest. <laughs> Hope I don't get canceled by the barons for that yeah. one. I'm sure, I think the barons themselves would be like, oh, shawarma, 10 out of 10 times. Yeah, no, I don't think any of the barons are actually going to disagree with you on that one. Uh, so, uh, what is your favorite item on the Burger Baron menu? Depends on the Burger Baron, my friend, because uh, they all have different menus. Yes. With, with, I mean, my, my, my parents used to have, like, um, I mean, they... They used to have like steak and veal and and all sorts of stuff like that on the restaurant uh, on the menu. My brother, you know, took over the restaurant. He changed the name, but it's essentially the Basically same menu. The same he's also menu, added yeah. like, yeah, he's added some fancy things as well. But they still got that that mushroom burger um, and that Baron burger. That's yeah. that is the only consistent thing throughout all of them. Um, but the ones in Edmonton, you will often find corn fritters. Ah, nice. And I, I do really like corn fritters. Who doesn't? I do like corn fritters. So good. Uh, do you personally think that every burger baron having its own unique spin at every location helped or hindered it? Or did that just add to the charm? Oh, I think it's definitely added to the charm and it's definitely helped it despite what a lot of the owners think. I, you know, especially in the small towns, mm -hmm. those burger barons have uh, a little bit of everything because they are, they're trying to like fill some gaps in that restaurant. So you'll see, you know, you'll see um, burger barons in small towns that have like Greek food or Italian food. Um, and you know, I mean, the, the success of those businesses is a testament to the fact that that works for them. Absolutely. On that note, if you were to combine every burger baron in Alberta, is there anything you can think of that you would not be able to order off the combined menus? 
you know, strangely, it's hard to find Lebanese food. <laughs> that's, Ironically, that's the crazy. Yeah, you might you might see a shawarma. Yeah, my brother's restaurant. I guess it's not a burger baron anymore. Right, it has fatosh, mm -hmm. fatosh salad. Nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're if you got a hankering for like you know some some tabbouleh and some shish to oak, you're you you're know out, you're, you're unfortunately <laughs> not going to a burger baron for that. I tell you. Um, so in your personal opinion, in 10 years, do you think that the Burger Baron is still going to exist? 10 years, yes. 20 yep. years, maybe not. Okay. 10 years, I think, I mean, at the at the rate that they are closing, which is about, you know, pretty much like one every year. Yeah. Um, in 10 years, they'll probably be about 15, dozen to 15. Yeah. And then, you know, and then the next 10 years, they might all be gone by the end of that. You know, maybe there'll be one left. Mm, that's sad. Um, yeah, it is. But it's also like it's a testament to the Burger Baron success. Like it wasn't, you know, these these immigrants like my parents, they were not opening these restaurants necessarily to, um, you know, to to, uh, I guess, live in, in posterity. I mean, yes, in the end, my brother ended up taking over those restaurants, but or over their restaurant, but usually they go in with the intention of creating some stability and income, some wealth for their kids to go to college and university and have, um, you know, sort of professional class jobs. Yep. Um, you know, there are, there are sons of barons who have, you know, become lawyers and and doctors and documentary filmmakers and you know whatever else um politicians um and so you know the fact that these burger barons are sort of dying after one or maximum two generations of ownership is because they are creating you know some generational wealth of sorts right they don't need these burger barons in the families anymore Okay. Um, so on that note, with your with your brother, he took over the restaurant. Mm -hmm. So why him? Why yeah, not that's you? a good question. Oh, well, well, well. I think if uh, and if you watch the movie, you'll know why me very quickly. And I did. Um, <laughs> my, you know, as as I I asked my dad, and he was like, eh, nah, you weren't ever interested. And it's true, I wasn't interested, but they also never really groomed me for right. it the way that they groomed my brother for it. You know, they let me work in the dish pit. Um, maybe when I got my driver's license, take take some deliveries. But, you know, the the real sort of like the, the boiler room of any restaurant is the grill. Mm -hmm. And that's where they had my brother from a pretty young age, teaching him how to manage that. Because if you can manage the kitchen, you can manage the restaurant. Yeah. Um, and you know, the fact is he's the, he's the eldest son and in an Arab family, the eldest son, um, you know, carries the, usually is, is, is tasked with carrying the family legacy of sorts. So it's, it can be a, it can be, um, a privilege. It could also be a burden. I think the reality is it's a mix of both. And actually in this, in this movie, we, we kind of explore that a little bit and whether my brother felt like he even had a choice mm -hmm. to take over the restaurant. Yeah. On, on that note, you actually, you cover a lot in this movie. Um, it's, it's not just about burgers. Uh, you know, the Lebanese burger mafia, it, you cover including, but not limited to burgers, the immigration story, 
even nepotism, <laughs> revisionist mm-hmm. history, individualism, honoring your parents and lineage and culture, plus so much more. Like what? Civil war. There was well. civil I mean, war. Yeah. The I mean, Lebanese civil war played yeah, a big part. It was in a this huge movie. part in this movie. I mean, could you have put anything else in this? <laughs> this was a lot to um, swallow, man. I thought I was going in for a nice little burger documentary, and you're slamming me with all this <laughs> other stuff. You're making me think. That makes me so happy to hear. Um, I think that's I think that's kind of the disarming charm of this of this film, right? Is that it is in in many ways it's very um, has a lot of levity. It's it's a comedic film. It's lighthearted. Um, but you walk out of there surprised by how many, you know, by their range of emotions that you've felt. It's got a lot of heart. Um, it's got a lot of depth. That's why we made this feature film, um, because as you probably know, this started as a, as a 40-minute, yeah. Uh, yeah, it started as a short film. And well, there was only short so on the longer side, but a short nevertheless. Yeah, yeah, a mid-length <laughs> documentary, but yeah. we added an hour yeah. of, of story, and it's, it's not just a matter of extending those interviews. Um, in fact, most of the the scenes that are in the the shorter version are exactly as they are in in this. It's actually expanding the story yeah. so that we can show the depth of our subjects. Um, the short version, um, yeah, I'm very proud of it, but it's it's really it's snappy. It's kind of straight to the point. It's much more comedic. Um, but this one goes pretty deep, I think, into what this actually all really means for, um, you know, for the people involved, for Alberta, for can, you know, sort of for as a as a commentary on multiculturalism, um, on sacrifice and hard work and family, like all the themes that we could really just graze in 40 minutes, uh, we were able to explore much more deeply in this. Yeah, honestly, if someone to say, so what's burger, the, uh, sorry, what's the Lebanese burger mafia about? I'd say, ah, uh, and then I'd list off about 12 things. <laughs> <laughs> it's about life. There you go. It's about life. I like it. It's about the meaning of life. All right. As far as you know, how many people have burger baron tattoos, including yourself? I heard a rumor. I don't have one What? Yet. The I think it's a matter wrong. of time, though, right? Yes. I know, I know. I think it's a matter of time. I just feel like, um, you know, maybe maybe I need to just, like, ride out this Burger Baron wave. Yes. And then as sort of like a capstone, get the tattoo. That logo. I, I, yeah, I, like, I wrote a book. Um, I wrote a book about uh, Islamic history in the West, and it was, like, four years of research. And then on my last research trip to Brazil on the very last day I got a tattoo to sort of like, I don't know, kind of celebrate the end of the journey. Maybe I'll get that Burger Baron tattoo at the end of this journey. There you go. How many people have Burger Baron tattoos that I know of? Four. Four? Know of. Wow. Nice. Um, Speaking of journeys, tell me about the journey of you starting as an arts reporter and film critic and then making a feature-length documentary in under two decades. Like, man, you, you're a busy guy. Well, I mean, I started as a aspiring filmmaker. I went to school in Vancouver. I did a year of uh, writing for TV and film at Vancouver Film School. And then um, I was in the inaugural uh, year of film production studies at Langara Arts College. 
Um, and but I had no interest in documentaries. Um, you know, I I had no interest in journalism really. I mean, I as a consumer. And yes. yet. And then um, I don't know. I mean, you know, film is a very very difficult uh, field. It's it's as you know. I don't need to tell you or your listeners this. It's um, the 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 barrier to entry, the obstacles that you have to. Um, overcome the patience that you have to have is just something that I, I just didn't possess at the age of um, 17, 18, 19, which is when I was in college. Um, and also like the reality is, what do you have to say at that age, really? You know, I went to college at 17 yeah. to, to be a screenwriter. What does a 17 year old screenwriter really have to offer this world? Mm. I mean, come on. Um, so, um, I think that the, you know, I just kind of had a bit of a reality check and I needed to take some time from that. Um, and so I, I, in film school, I met a, a friend of mine, David Bertrand, um, who is, um, a film producer and screenwriter out in Toronto. Um, he works with Blue Ant Media now. Um, at that time he though was kind of doing the reverse. He was a journalist, um, studying film and he got me like sort of a gig at a at an arts magazine they didn't have anyone covering hip-hop i loved hip-hop i was uh happy to do it for like free concert tickets and cds and so i really enjoyed that and then um you know what else what else was i interested in film so you know i started doing film reviews and um you know film coverage and that i think lent itself to um just kind of nonfiction, creative nonfiction writing and um sort of more magazine journalism because when you're an arts writer um objectivity is not necessarily the point it's subjectivity and it's also like flexing your voice and having like a fresh voice and a fresh angle on things and so that sort of uh, parlayed itself into feature writing for magazines where you can have a little bit more style and play with the structure a lot more and i just really liked it i really liked that form of of journalism that kind of creative journalism that you see in magazines um and so i did that for quite a few years in 2013 i wrote a story for swerve magazine called will the real burger baron please stand up and um that that story was really popular it um it is the story that kind of followed me through the years you know i would go on to write about suicides in in oil camps about um you know, uh, investigations into sexual predators, investigations into like um, possible fraud in the cannabis industry. But the story that people would remember me for is this Burger Baron story. And um, no getting and away happy, from I'm it. Happy to, yeah, no, and I'm happy to be the burger guy, right? Yeah. Like I, I, I love that it was kind of a part of my, my reputation. And honestly, like it was also a very disarming thing. Um, <laughs> like when I was trying to act as an investigative journalist having that burger baron reputation could sometimes really kind of disarm people and maybe create lower expectations of myself as a journalist. Um, <laughs> and then to their surprise, you know, I <laughs> have all the receipts and um, confront them with, uh, <laughs> with some tough questions. So anyway, I, I did journalism for a while in 2019, Dylan Reese Howard, um, friend and filmmaker, uh, approached me with 
uh, with the proposition of turning one of my articles into a documentary, and that became Digging in the Dirt, which is uh, about mental health and, and masculinity in the oil sands. Yep, I saw that as well. That was great, we, by the way. Oh, thanks. Thank you. Um, and then we, we co-produced and co-directed that, and then uh, about a year later, um, after, yeah, in, in late 2020, he said, he wanted to produce a movie um with me but also he wanted it to be like my story he wanted me to um you know we had an opportunity to pitch cbc another tv doc and uh yeah he just he wanted to know what what movie i'd like to make and it was the burger baron you know this was the story that i knew of all the stories that i'd written this was the one that i knew for sure people would would you know gobble up if you will and they did they did indeed. Yeah, that, I see what you did, did there, I by mean, the way. Gobble up. Yep. Yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah. Even before it premiered on on CBC Gem, like we had uh, just through word of mouth, quite uh, quite a following already. Quite a bit of hype for this movie. Um, when the trailer dropped, it it trended in Canada on Twitter. It was like one of the top five or ten trends or something so i did, don't think did you realize that the it, burger baron was that big doc. um yeah i i no not i didn't realize that it was going to um i knew it'd be popular in alberta i didn't yeah. think that it was going to gain popularity across canada but of course you know maybe i should have predicted that because there's albertans um all over yeah, you know, the country right and all those expats and all those people who've uh, maybe you know maybe lived in alberta in small town alberta for any period of time um have there's a there's a burger baron that burger baron is somewhere in their hearts because it's such a sort of anchor of those small town communities you know whether you were traveling for like hockey games as a kid or um you know, just on a road trip and you stopped in a small town to, to eat at one. These are kind of landmarks. And, um, you know, the, the quirkiness of it, I think, has a lot to do with um, just the affinity that people have for those places. Cool. So when you wrote, uh, uh, will a real burger baron please stand up? Did you have any inkling that that would become a doc, you, you know, your a feature length documentary? No. I thought I was done with film at that point, honestly, yeah. like it wasn't even on my mind that I would, um, return to filmmaking. Um, I was really just trying to be, you know, the, the best, um, magazine journalist that I could. And, um, I, I wasn't even thinking about really returning to filmmaking until Dylan asked me if I would like to return to filmmaking. And you're like, heck yeah. 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 <laughs> and now I'm working on, on my third movie, third or fourth, depending on whether you count burger mafia as one, one or two. Yeah. Yeah. So hmm. it's, uh, I'm, I'm happy to be back in this, in this field. I think that, um, you know, it's, especially the last Baron, like it really reminded me of why I love, filmmaking and why I love film as a medium. Um, I never expected 20 years ago, literally 20 years ago when I set off to film school, I never expected that I would be a documentary documentarian. Um, but I'm, I, I love being one yeah. and it's, it's, uh, it's just amazing how much bigger of an audience you can reach with film as opposed to, to printed journalism. Yeah. Which is cool, but kind of sad at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is what it is. I mean, it makes sense, right? It I mean, does. it's, 
it's you know a book or an article isn't really something that you can experience as a group that's the thing um, film is something you can experience as a group right yeah. as a with a group of friends and it's you can com- just, it's you can a communal it event faster. yeah exactly right you can consume it faster and also like is it as a medium as an art form it just has many many layers of um of of speaking to someone and and reaching them i mean through the you know through music and through dialogue and through visuals and through animation and through archival footage and film the last baron is able to tell this unique story of albertan history in a way that the article never could right all right so tell me about pandemic university school of writing <laughs> um, I see you did your research. Uh, pan, pan, pan you, as the as the kids call it, yes, um, is a fake unaccredited university that I accidentally founded in April 2020 when I, like a lot of writers, was out of work yeah. and needed needed something to sort of, you know, pay some bills. And I had uh, I had some writing workshops in my back pocket that I'd done in person. And I figured why not just present them as a webinar and maybe sell tickets on Eventbrite. And if I can make a few hundred dollars, that'll just carry me through until when I'm working again. I I mean, also at the time, I thought the pandemic would only be like, you know, eight weeks and then everything would be back to normal. No kidding. Whoops. and and then I thought, well, why don't I, you know, I know a lot of other writer friends who have the same kind of stuff in their toolboxes. Why don't we package them together, give it a funny name like Pandemic University, and also, you know, create sort of a, um, a community at a time when people are, uh, you know, locked down at home, have a lot of free time, but also a lot of like nervous energy. And this would be something positive to focus on and is there a better time to like you know start writing your your memoir or take up that writing project than than right now uh, i don't think there is yeah. um and so yeah i launched it in um i conceived and launched it in 10 days and by the end of that first day that it launched um before the first class had even been offered it was pretty much like a a full-fledged business like i had to hire someone to to manage to help me manage the inflow of um registrations and you know sort of student requests and um it's it's still going i have two employees it is um yeah it's a full-fledged business we are on to our 113th um class or course right now we've had um teachers such as like Giller uh, prize winner Omar el and um, we had uh, uh, <laughs> um, Peter Mansbridge give a convocation speech at our virtual graduation. How cool is that? Um, yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> it's it's so cool. Um, and we've actually started doing some events in person as well. So we've had like a few pan you pub nights across the country. Um, so yeah, anyone who's interested in Pandemic University taking some of our classes or attending some of our events, just go to pandemicuniversity.com. Right on. Uh, so this was your first feature film, uh, The Lebanese Burger Mafia. Uh, it premiered at Hot Docs. It won the Northwest Fest Audience Choice Award. 
Um, did you hit any other festivals since then? Yeah, yeah, we've been in a few. We were in the Toronto Arab Film Festival. We got second place honorable mention in the feature film category. We premiered in Rotterdam a week ago. Um, we've been in a number of festivals yeah. by now, and then a few more coming up. So, um, so we will be yeah, where are you in taking Sudbury notes? this week. Okay. We'll be in Sudbury today, actually, I believe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Sudbury today. And then um, there's the Devour Film Festival. In uh, Devour is a food film festival in Wolfville near Halifax. Devour. Um, that will be fun. Yep, yeah. yep. I'll be there for that as well. Um, yeah, and there's a, there's a few more in between. Um, the the thing that I, maybe I'm excited about the most right now is that we will have a, a national theatrical release on oh, November the 10th is our opening weekend. Sorry, when? So November the 10th. November the 10th. Got it. Yes. So um, we will, yeah, the opening weekend is going to, it's going to uh, launch in Toronto at the Ted Rogers Hot Dog Cinema for four nights. Um, I know that uh, the Metro Cinema in Edmonton will have it uh, later that week. And uh, I'm sure there are many more to come. So if you are part of a, uh, uh, if, if you're connected with a movie theater, if you program for one of them, please get in touch with Level Film Distribution um, or email me at info at burgerbaronmovie.com. We would love to get this movie um, into your city. Sounds excellent. I'll put out the word myself, my friend. Thank you. So what's next for the Honorable Omar of Alberta and where can people reach you? <laughs> um, I'm just finishing post-production on my new film called Making Kayfabe, uh, which is about the inside world of independent professional wrestling, why people moonlight as wrestlers and what they get out of it. And the way that I'm answering that question is by training to become a professional wrestler ah. and fulfilling my childhood dream for one night. Every um, little boy's childhood dream. <laughs> every child, every boy's childhood dream. So and that was some a lot girls. Of, that was a really, that was, a, it's true actually, increasingly. <laughs> that was the way I spent my spring, was training to be a pro wrestler. And I fought my match in June. Um, and You uh, must have been was, sore. <laughs> you know, okay, so everybody asks that and, um, yeah, I mean, I was sore the, after the first week of training because my muscles had never done that before. But the first first day of training there, they taught me how to not injure myself. Yeah. Um, and how to fall, um, you know, how to fall on my back safely. And, um, you know, I think the, the, there were times when I did hurt myself, but it was because of mistakes that I'd made. It When things are going right, when the moves are, um, you know, when, yeah, when the moves are going, going right, um, I, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't any pain. I wasn't any soreness. It was only after like when, when I would mess up, like one time I forgot to wear knee pads to training and I fell on my knees and immediately just immediately was in, in excruciating pain. Yes. So anyway, <laughs> so that's making kayfabe. Yeah. Um, and it will be out uh, this fall on CBC Gem, uh, I believe in late November. All right. You, can, you got busy they, November. If people want, yeah, yeah. People can follow me at, uh, you can follow um, the Burger Baron Movies Instagram account, which is, uh, sorry, the Burger Mafia's Instagram account, which is Burger Baron Movie. And you can follow Making Kayfabe uh, on Instagram at It's Fake News. 
N-O-O-Z. Um, <laughs> and the reason that that is the handle is because my wrestling name was Fake News Neville. Nice. So, yeah, there you go. And it's Fake News N, sorry, yeah, N-O-O-Z. Got it. All right. The Lebanese Burger Mafia is playing at the Calgary International Film Festival on Saturday, September 23rd at Eau Claire Market at 1.15 p.m. And then there will be an encore presentation Tuesday, September 26th at 6.45 p.m. I assume you will be doing Q&As after the film, yes? I will be there on Saturday. I won't be, on be Saturday, there on, not Tuesday. on Tuesday. Yeah. Okay, so if you want to yep. you meet our man Omar, you want to be there on Saturday for sure. You can get your tickets at sifcalgary.ca or at the Eau Claire box office. Thanks again for chatting with us, man. It was a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. It's been so much fun. Right on. So with that said, everybody out there, rage on. Cool. Are you going to be there on Saturday?